The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. A Friday edition of the Garden Report, wrapping up the week. Looking ahead, training camp just about two weeks from now. I think two weeks from Monday, Tuesday, there'll be media day. A few weeks. We're getting there. Sherrod's back. Great to see you, Sherrod. Welcome back here. Good to be back. What's up? What's up, fellas? Just way. So, uh, let's talk Brogdon. I've been. Who? <laughs> no, that wasn't my line. That was someone else's. Okay, okay Mook. Okay, Mook. <laughs> I've been talking a lot about Brogdon. I think his health, his status, his play is going to be one of the biggest, probably the biggest story of training camp going into this year. I'm wondering how healthy he is. I'm wondering where he's at after the trade. Uh, almost trade that sent them out to the Clippers. He's still not back. Celtics have been posting a bunch of videos. I'm sure you've seen him, Joe Sway, of all the guys there. Still no Porzingis. They're waiting on Brown and Tatum, waiting on Brogdon. But most of the younger guys are back. Most of the new guys are there. Uh, Shabima Luke and uh, Jay Scrub and all of them getting started, getting to work early, Delano Banton. But still no Brogdon. And really, we haven't heard from Brogdon all this summer through the trade, through the injury. That's not strange for him. I think he's a pretty low-key guy who keeps to himself during the summer. But it does add to this uncertainty around him going into this year. And we'll get to those Morris comments in a minute. But, Sherrod. <laughs> yeah, some people might be confused. We'll get to that later. Yeah. I found it strange, Sherrod. A lot of fans turned on him over the injury. Real quick. Many want to see him gone this summer. Including the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It might be part of the problem. Yeah, but it was a freak injury, and I'm I'm going into this year, and I have my concerns too about him, but this wasn't like he had a hamstring strain here and ankle issues here, and he was just injury prone. Oh, yeah, he was very, very healthy and very effective up until that moment. Yeah, and, and in the playoffs, it was clear as day that he was dealing with the type of injury that made him useless, I thought, for yeah. the most part. Uh, there, there was one game where he had, uh, you know, he was struggling to make shots, and then he had a layup attempt, and he missed the bunny. And at that point, I'm just like, shut him down. He, he missed, And it's not because he doesn't want to help the team. He physically could not help the team. No. Uh, to your point, Bobby, fans turned real quick on him, and the Celtics were almost as quick as the fans when they tried to trade his ass out of here like that. Right. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how he responds to that, not only in terms of his play, but right. also in terms of in the locker room, uh, because everyone knows they tried to get rid of you. And for Malcolm, this is a guy that everyone loves. He's a great leader. You uh, the positives that you hear about him if, with every team he's been with makes you scratch your head thinking, like, how is he going to respond to being basically stuck with a team? that didn't at one point want you around or they felt that there was someone they can add by subtracting you out that would make them better. I don't know how he's going to respond to that. I, I, my gut tells me that he's going to take the high road, say all the right things, point out how this is a business, and <clears throat> we'll all be like, okay, but are you going to go out there and get 15, 6, and 4 a night off the bench? And to me, that's ultimately going to be – the, the challenge for him is to play with a certain amount of consistency so that we our conversations about him will be more about his play and not about how close they came to shipping him out to, to La La Land. 
<laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, Sean. Like, he's such a positive and he's such a, you know, a, a, a professional that I feel like he's going to show up. He's going to be that kind of player that's not going to, you know, quit on the team. Or stay there. Fine, though. He will. I mean, yeah, exactly, boy. But I also feel like he needs some transparency here, right? Okay, Marcus yeah. Smart is out. Okay, you guys win. He had that press conference introducing Chris Tasporzingis. A question came up about the starting point guard, and boom, Derek White got the job right away. How does he feel about that? You know, I think that's something that they need to be, you know, that needs to be discussed between, you know, the coaching staff. And maybe he's okay with that. Maybe that's not a problem at all. But, again, I think I think he just needs to have that conversation and, and find out exactly what his role is going to be. Is he going to be someone that's going to be used at the end of games often? You know, things change, obviously, without Marcus Smart there. And the fact that Derek White got the job right away obviously speaks volumes for how Joe Mazzula feels about him as a starting point guard. Okay, well, that's fine. That decision's been made. But where do I fit here exactly, you know, moving forward? I think that's just something that's going to be, you know, figured out throughout training camp and around that time. Again, he's the professional. He's the guy that's going to show up. I don't, I'm not worried about someone like that, you know, quitting on the team. But I just think he needs to find out exactly what his role is going to be. I don't worry about him quitting on the team, Josue. I do worry about him being around enough to play. Uh, because he, he, this is a guy that came here un, under the load management program. He's going to be under it again. And I, I kind of yeah. understand what Joe and those guys are thinking about having Derek start because Derek is the – he's the poster boy of durability. And as your point guard, you want that to be the stabilizing force that guides your team all season long. And Derek White, his track record is that he is a really healthy player. He doesn't miss games. Malcolm, last few years, just, literally 180 of that. He misses right. a significant number of games, some due to injuries, others due to load management. Uh, and, and with the new rules in place on how – well, actually, he's not one of the top two players. He won't fall under it now, yeah. yeah he, he, he doesn't count. He doesn't qualify for that. But <laughs> the bottom line is if you're Joe Missoula, Yeah, way to throw shade for no reason. All right, go ahead. I know I did. And I really like him. But the reality is they need to have a stabilizing force at that point guard position because as, as much as Marcus Smart drove you crazy – you knew what you were getting from him, and you knew that if he didn't play, it was because he was hurt. It wasn't because you needed to rest him, which is the case you're going to have to go through with Malcolm. So Derek White starting, I think, uh, the durability dynamic, I think more than anything else is why Malcolm is going to be coming off the bench and Derek will be starting. But make no mistake about it, though, Malcolm is going to play. That that That's a given. But how much will he play? How many games will he suit up? That's that's a crapshoot. No one knows that. Not Malcolm, not the Celtics. You heard both from him last year, too. Early in the year, he's talking about how great it is to not have to do everything. He's feeling fresher than ever. And then later in the year, especially once the playoffs went around, you heard him talk more about how difficult it was to come off the bench. Yeah. Uh, the you know adjustment that was for him. Even just some of the issues the team had when it came to their lack of emphasis on defense, uh, not addressing some of the issues early in the playoffs that popped up in terms of their play. So he, his voice got louder in that room and we'll get to the leadership dynamic on this team. In a yeah, that's too, true. Because, he just, yeah. He said that right before the playoffs too. That was kind of a weird timing for that. He started yeah. opening his, his mouth and speaking his mind a little more as, yeah. as the playoffs came around and his things uh, turned for the worse there. So, you know, we, I, I'd say my favorite presser all year, Joe Sway, was that one he gave us in the hotel there in Miami because he was just so honest about all the yeah. issues after they went down 3 nothing. So yeah. I do want to get to the leadership here, but you brought up a great point, Joe Sway. Joe didn't hesitate at all saying Derek would be the point guard here. And in that same 
conversation after the Jalen extension uh, presser there. He's talking about how they have to go through a healing process with Brogdon and, you know, they have to come together again as a team after they almost traded him. But then he's asked about who the point guard is. He's like, yeah, it's Derek. Which I found, you know, maybe maybe they had had that conversation already. But if you you haven't even talked to Brogdon yet and you haven't come gotten on the same page after the almost trade, you're just going to come on and say White's the point guard and Brogdon's back on the bench. I I don't know. That was was an interesting Rip it off. Yeah, right. Before before you guys keep asking me about this later, I'm just going to get it out there now. Yeah, it seemed like that's the way he, he responded to it. And that's right. It was the, the extension uh, 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 press conference. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, again, they're assuming the same thing that I am. He's a professional. He's not going to quit on us. But it's just like, well, is his heart going to be in it? You know, is he going to feel the vibe of this team and say, like, okay, I'm back. I, I can be the sixth man that you need me to be. Obviously, he took that role last season. Obviously, he was vocal about it. But how does he respond this time around with with Marcus? You know, not in the picture. I mean, the longest tenure Celtic, the guy who was already the starting point guard when Malcolm came to Boston. Right, everything was already decided. Now things have changed, and that decision's already been made without a conversation and without even you know. This is months before training camp. Yeah, it, it's it's problematic uh, for Malcolm because. You kind of wish that when Joe anointed Derek White the starting point guard, that he would give you some kind of context as to why Derek versus Malcolm. Because you got two guys who both have shown the ability to be significant contributors to your team as a starter and as a reserve. And one guy in, in Malcolm who, again, you look at Malcolm's body of work in the NBA, it's better than Derek White's. And that's no diss on Derek. It's just that Malcolm has done more in this league uh, as a guy who was a second round pick versus Derek White, who was a late first round pick. But for Mal, for for Joe to make that anointment so quickly and without there really being a clear and undeniable, this guy is better than that guy, you know, comparison. It's a little bit surprising. Uh, but again, the only thing I can think of that in my mind would make a lot of sense of doing that that quickly was they made they made the, the the decision that Malcolm is going to come off our bench again because that's the best chance we have of keeping him healthy for what really matters to us, which is the playoffs. Whereas Derek White, just the opposite. He can he's been just one of the Iron Men of the NBA in terms of games played, and they've been able to add to his workload. You know, last couple of years in Boston, where he's playing more minutes, so you don't have to worry about him playing heavier minutes. You don't have to worry about him missing games for the most part, and. Again, at that point guard position, you want to absolutely have some stability. And if they're going to be a better balanced team defensively, then Derek White, again, makes a lot of sense being a starting point guard. I think we all agree White should start, right? Sherrod and Joe Sway. So it's the right move. Uh, I do want to play this here. That sounds so good. I can't pass it up. (laughs) Joe Sway (laughs) Sway put me under this. Marcus Morris. Great episode episode of uh, All all the Smoke, man. They they always do a good job. Here's what they had to say about Brogdon going in the next year. Like a couple more pieces, like a couple more pieces away. But I mean, I'm a fan of Tatum. You cool with um, them losing Smart Smart? smart? No, I didn't like that. Can Brogdon fill that role? Who? I, 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 I hear you said Brogdon. Nah, hell no. Brogdon <laughs> a good player, and I don't take away his yeah. game. But like, smart, smart was the heart and soul of that team. Yeah, but smart, defensive like, player yeah, of the year. Yeah, yeah, Come yeah, on, man. He, he is Boston. He said, "Hell nah." <laughs> yeah, he put that in there. They, they, they didn't give you the caption on that. Hell nah. We heard it though. 
Yeah, that uh, he's a good player and all. Dot dot dot. Yeah, that he that almost caught cool. himself on the who. He was like, I didn't hear you, and then he's like, Hell no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think he did hear him. But uh, he, maybe he's, he he's right though. I mean, he, Malcolm is a good player, but he's not Marcus Smart. You're not going to get Marcus Smart. I wouldn't say production wise, that to me doesn't really matter because Marcus has always been a guy whose whose impact doesn't necessarily align with his production. I think there are many games where he was able to give you more than his numbers will suggest that he was giving you. And if you're the Celtics, you st- you need to find somebody who's going to bring the intangibles uh, because that's what Marcus did as good as anyone in his team. And when you start looking up and down that roster, I'm not looking for Malcolm Brogdon to be Mr. Intangibles. I'm looking for him to get you like 14, 15 points, you know, four or five assists, two, three rebounds and do it consistently. Uh, but as far as like the intangible plays that Marcus Smart is known for making, I'm not sure that guy's on the roster right now. Right. And I think that's why they 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 laugh. I don't think it's just about a, a talent standpoint. It's just like, wait, you're talking about replacing who Marcus is, you know, who he meant, you know, what he meant to the city, what he meant to the team. Like that's that that's what triggered that response truly. Like like those two are complete opposites in a sense, right? I mean, that's the way at least that's the way I see it, right? The, the way they responded to that and, and saying who? Like, no, Brogdon isn't isn't that guy and he's he, he can't be that guy who Marcus was for you know his entire career up until this point so I mean yeah I, I just I don't think it's more about him not being able to be the starting point guard of the Celtics you know I just think that that void that's left behind without Marcus is more what they're highlighting they're saying look they, they have to find a way to replace that and that's something that you know we're going to continue to talk about and we'll see as this team develops and has to come together and we'll see the, you know, the identity of this team and who, who steps, who stands out in that, in that sense, in that regard, but it'll be interesting. But yeah, I just don't think Brogdon is going to be that guy, that heart and soul, you know, the, the, the kind of player that Marcus was, but it doesn't mean that he can't be the, the, the guy he was last season. I mean, that's good enough for this team. You know, that, that I'm hoping that's what the, the Celtics or Celtics are hoping rather that, that he could be that guy again. Yeah. And when you, Look at what Brogdon brings. The shooting last year, everybody expected that to be a major impact, and it did, given the space he gets playing with Tatum and Brown to shoot open shots. He's going to be awesome there again. He has been for his whole career, as long as he's healthy, which, again, go back to that elbow. It had such a significant impact on his shot. He could barely play, as Sherrod said, in that East Finals. Uh, the stats were terrible. I think he averaged like two points a game after the injury. So that is the first thing you're looking at. The defense, and I said it all last year, I didn't love the defense from him. Isolation-wise, one of the worst players in the league at guarding one-on-one. The lateral movement with him and just the ability to stay in front of guys. When he got in the post against stronger guys, I liked what he brought to the table there. But defensively, he was a big reason. I thought they took a step back there. Guys could go at him and get by him fairly easily. And then the passing's the thing that I think they'll miss most with Smart beyond the leadership, which again, we'll get to. He didn't get to pass the ball and create a ton last year, but the numbers with him in the pick and roll were awesome. He can really navigate that space. So maybe he does get a little bit more ball time now in that second unit. The one thing you got to say about this team, and one of my big concerns, Sherrod, is they don't have a ton of bench scoring. Uh, You look at what they lost in Grant. Porzingis is going to start on this team. Rob's probably going to start on this team. So bench scoring, it's Brogdon, it's Horford, who's mostly just shooting threes. And then from there, you really don't know. So Brogdon as a creator is going to be a big deal here too. They they really need him. If, if he misses time, if he's 
not as good as he was last year. Takes another step back. They're in trouble on that second unit a little bit. He's a big, big part of what they're going to do on the bench. I think that's going to be the biggest really low-key, but not so low-key storyline all season is that second unit and their ability, not so much to score, Bobby, but just their ability to make an impact. I mean, if you're only getting like 15, 20 points off that bench, but you got Al Horford locking folks up around the rim, making plays around the rim, allowing you to get out in transition, get some of those other guys easy baskets, your second unit is going to be okay. But they're going to need difference makers. And for that second unit, the role that they're going to need Malcolm to be is a scorer. And I think as good a scorer I thought as he, he was this past season, I think it needs to be better because they're going to need, I think, a bigger cushion uh, because there aren't a lot of options around. Uh, Peyton Pritchard is a guy who we yeah, know, another name. you know, he can get some buckets, but are you going to get the Peyton Pritchard that we, you know, are we going to get, you know, pro-am Pritchard? Yeah, don't do that to him. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> like the guy that, you know, hardly plays during a regular season. Uh, is he going to get an opportunity? Is Sam Hauser, is Sam going to start knocking down a lot of those open jumpers that, you know, he, he was kind of feast or famine. Are you high on Mahai Luke coming in? I am a slightly above lukewarm. All right. Um, I'm not hot <laughs> on him. I'm a, I, I want to get hot on him because he, size-wise, you love what you, you're seeing in terms of being 6'7", 6'8", something like that. Uh, consistently shoots bet around or above 40% for three-point range. The one concern I have about him, uh, and I'm more concerned about him than I was with, uh, you know, uh, some of their other guys is his defense. Uh, this not only is he not only is he not from a lateral movement standpoint. I don't think he's great. He's also had he has short arms. He's he's got a six five yeah. wingspan, even mm-hmm. though he's six seven six eight lengthwise, and you know in, in terms of his height. So that the the way that that tends to to they manifest itself is that he he's not able to contest shots as well as you'd want him to because when he races up to contest a shot, he's he's shorter than most guys yeah. at his height at contesting shots. So that those are the little things that worry me about him. But he can shoot the damn ball. Yeah. I mean, he can flat out. I say, that, that's not why they brought him in there, man. But, exactly. yeah, I, but I hear you what you're saying. What? Yeah. No, listen, when you bring in used cars, you know they're not going to run exactly like they just came off the assembly line. Shout out to the UADW workers <laughs> out there in America. Do the damn thing. I'm with y'all. Hey. My point is this. He's this is not, you see, I slipped that in there. Like the bottom it. line is, he he's brought in a shoot, but you don't want his weakness, which is his defense, to overcompensate or, or overwhelm what his strength is, which is making shots. Right, but th- I think that's why you bring someone like that in, though, to address exactly what Bobby's talking about. You know, that that offense, those concerns, like who's going to be the the scores off his bench? Because after Brogdon, it, it gets pretty slim after that. What are we going to see from uh, Sam Hauser? I think that's someone that could take a step up in terms of his progression and being a more consistent scorer off the bench. Maybe you know, hopefully, I'm right. We'll see. Uh, does he get that opportunity? I mean, he has to fight for it. You know, I, I think it's another. Uh, situation as well. Uh, why did he fall out of that rotation so fast in the postseason? Is there something there that Joe Mazzula doesn't trust about him? Well, maybe he can address that a little bit on the defensive end. But yeah, I, I think bringing in guys like that is the reason why you know the Celtics are hoping one of these guys can stick and be a, a rotation player that comes off the bench and just gives them buckets because they they need it. You know, they need that offense off their bench because uh, Mazzula just didn't trust them during the playoffs. And then I think that was the biggest reason, you know, they didn't have guys that can come off the bench and, and, and score and score in bunches the way Brogdon did until Brogdon couldn't do it anymore. And then you realize, Oh man, like we got to go seven now, you know, seven, eight, 
the way he did, you know, throughout the postseason. Don't forget O'Shea Brissett. I'm not going to mention Cornette, but Brissett coming O'Shea's in. in the mix. Just did, Bobby. He's in the I know, I know, I know you Syracuse guys. I know you guys are thinking about it. I know he's there. I think he'll end some minutes here. I, I do. Oh, no, he will. We'll see how he pans out. He'll get an opportunity. Yeah, a lot of guys will have to spend. Preseason's going to be interesting. And Walsh, too. We didn't even mention Jordan Walsh, who I give a chance. If he can shoot 40% from three like he did in summer league, you can play, especially when he brings it on the other end, too, where some of these other guys, I think, have some – uncertainty on that end. Hauser, as you mentioned, Joe Sway. Mihailuk certainly comes in here. He's probably one of the weaker defenders on the team. Pritchard, right. too. Guys go after him a little bit. But those I mean, shooting numbers, though, that's the thing. Especially catch and shoot. Especially. That bench is interesting because you do have these long defensive guys like Walsh, Banton coming in with that pedigree, too. Brissett's had some defensive success. And then you got your offensive guys like Hauser and Mihailuk and Pritchard. So how do you mix and match those guys? It's going to be interesting to see. Even the Horford-Rob decision, I think, is interesting this year. But I want to get back to uh, Brogdon on a, from a different perspective. I want to take a minute to tell you about FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It's football season, and new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket so you can watch all those games uh, that you're wagering on. Frets from fan from YouTube and YouTube TV on FanDuel. It's the best time to join FanDuel right now. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds, terms, and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch on YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Uh, So, Tatum. I hit on this a couple weeks ago when he... Did this interview with Jeff Goodman of CLNS here and now The Messenger. Uh, he talked about Smart leaving. He talked about his dynamic with Brown. I guess he's still out there working with uh, Brown and Pierce in L.A., Josue, as we kicked around a couple weeks ago. So love to see wow. that. But the big one here, I think the biggest, most overarching quote going into this season, especially after they traded uh, Smart, is his perspective on the leadership. He said, Sharon, I'm never going to be Kevin Garnett. As much as people want me to be, that's not who I am. The way I lead, the public may not ever see what I do. When I need to, I make sure my voice is heard, and I do it in my own way. I'm not going to be out there jumping up and down screaming. That's not my personality. As much as people want to talk about it and want me to be that, 
I'm not changing who I am. I lead in my own way. When I talk, everyone in the organization is going to listen. And whatever I say is always for the betterment of the team. My teammates know that. What do you think of that, Sherrod? You know I'm that dude, right? Says Jason Tatum. Y'all all know I'm that dude, right? Uh, don't get it twisted. Let the record state, right? <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and here's the thing about Tatum. I, I, I'm, um, I think right now what's happening with him is that he's finally having a little bit better alignment between his confidence and his leadership. I think his confidence has always been relatively high, and his leadership is starting to creep up very close to where his level of confidence is and what you're starting to see him basically saying, look, I'm going to speak when I feel good and ready to speak. Organization going to listen to what the hell I got to say. The players, all 15, 17 you see around me, guess who they listen to? Me. And if I don't speak, they're cool with that. When I do speak, they're going to rise up and pay attention because I'm that dude. And it's it's good to hear him articulate that because I think he's felt that way for a while, but wasn't, I think, the greatest messenger for delivering the message to the masses about how he goes about leadership. And part of that, I think has to do with the fact that he understood that his leadership was this thing that was consistently evolving and he really didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Cause I think there was a time where he was feeling a little bit of outside pressure to be more vocal. And then I think he just got to the point where he just said, F that I'm just going to be Jason Tatum. That dude that's going to get you 25 points, at least half sleep. I can literally walk onto the floor and drop 25 and not even crack a sweat. Uh, And he's that damn good. And now I think he understands the importance of picking his spots better than he has in the past of when to speak up and speak out and when to just simply let his game do the talking. Uh, I love the fact that he's spending so much time with Paul Pierce. Because there's no one in the NBA or within the Celtics franchise that understands what Jason Tatum is going through right now better than Paul Pierce. Paul knows to put up big numbers and be that guy that's on the Hall of Fame track and not have a championship. He knows what that feels like. And Tatum, I think, has finally figured out, I need to basically tap into some of that wisdom because I'm in the same boat right now. I have done everything you could possibly do up to this point in a positive way as a player, except one thing, win a chip. And that's why why it's it's just so important to really understand the magnitude of what these little videos that people may not put a whole lot of stock into, but understand the value that they're going to play in Tatum's understanding and embracing the fact that it's title or bust. There's no in-between. There's no good try, good effort. No, 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 no. The, the, The run up to winning a championship is over yeah it's when it's it or it's, it's win it now you have to yeah ha- he has to feel that pressure and respond to that pressure if i'm paul pierce i'm like hey it's hot out here ain't it jason ain't it hot out here when everyone is now now everything's turned up a notch you know everyone's expecting to win that championship and now the pressure's really on on to year seven i mean that's why i love seeing those two you know not only working out but laughing together all the pictures being posted you know shout out to brett hampton you know, out there, and, and it wasn't just a one-time thing, right, Bobby? We talked about they've the been there for weeks. Yeah, there's more pictures just just came out this week, and I, I love that because you you wonder what those conversations are like, but you know that Paul Pierce is also being like, man, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have that pressure in that entire city expecting you to do it, or people doubting you, because that's essentially what happened, right? At least the last couple of years, even even the season that they did make it to the finals, people sort of doubted, oh, can Tatum be that guy? And look, he he showed you 
this past season. Sure, this does didn't get back to the finals, but man, does he have the clutch gene? Absolutely. You know, it saved the Celtics' season against the, the the Philadelphia 76ers. Was a huge contributor, you know, throughout that third round against the Miami Heat. You know, obviously they didn't come up. You know, they came up short. He, he got hurt in Game Seven, and, and now he, everyone's going to be wondering: Can he come back? Can he can he bring this team all the way back and, and win a championship? So seeing these guys work out, I, I love that, and I love the fact that he's talking about. Uh, being one of uh, the members of Celtics Mount Rushmore. I mean, that's another quote that came from this article. I mean, that's the type of language that you want to hear from Tatum because it's not about winning a championship for his own legacy. You know, he's talking about winning a championship, uh, you know, for the Celtics legacy and being one of those guys, being an all-time Celtic great. I mean, that's what the city obviously loves. They adore that type of talk. And that's exactly what you want to hear from someone like Tatum who's been here long enough and has been so close, right? Two wins away for winning a championship and not being able to get back to the NBA finals last season, you know? So how do you respond from that? Is he going to have that chip on his shoulder that we're all expecting him to have, but not only just say that in interviews, but show it in his performances, you know, is he going to be a top five or is he going to be an MVP candidate? You know, this could be the year. I I mean, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm looking too deep into this whole, him working out with Paul Pierce, but this could, am I wrong? Am I, am I looking too deep into this, Shirai? Like, could this be the year? Taylor is already a top five player in this league. I mean, so, but will he be in that? There's a big gap between him and one, though. There is. Will he be like? Will he be in that MVP conversation? Could this if be the Celtics? Year? The way that hit the, the to me the clear pathway to him being league MVP is for the Celtics to be a dominant squad all season long. Him giving you thirty and some change every night. What they did early last yeah. year, and he and he was in that conversation early last year. Right. He has to be able to ex- continue along that path. From not the first 20, 25, 30 games, we got to be talking about him being that guy after game 60, 65, 70. Consistency at the highest level is the only thing that's going to keep him from being MVP because it's not about talent. It is not about ability to to take over games. It's about being able to do those things over the course of a season and not just for 40 or 50 games. That's what's going to get him the league MVP. And I do believe he will be – he's going to finish in the top three this year, an MVP. He will be a top three finisher in league. Yeah, I, think this, I think this is that year. I think this is that year where he'll be he'll be one of those guys, and that's obviously going to be a, a huge you know milestone for him. But you know, again, to, to to get back to what you guys are talking, you know, talking about him being a leader, I think it's always been by example. He's not going to be like he said. He's not going to be Kevin Garnett. It's not going to get in people's faces, but he leads by example, and I think that's how he's got. He he can you know get everyone focused and get everyone on the same page, but now do it on another level and doing it with Jalen Brown. I mean, seeing those pictures of these guys in the gym together, you know, in the summertime, I love that. You know, I want to see more of that and I want to see how these two can lead together, but obviously, you know, how, how Tatum's going to be able to, to take things to another level as a, as a player. Yeah. And he talked a little bit about that dynamic with Brown. He said, I'm 25. He'll be 27 in two months. We're far from perfect. We won't ever get the credit we deserve until we win a championship. As Facts. Right. That's the ultimate goal, and you can't bypass all the things we've accomplished in the six years we've been teammates at a very young age. We've been to the playoffs every year. We've gotten better. It took time to figure out how we can be special as we can be and how we can coexist and do it together. Everybody says they take turns. I feel like we got to a place where we were feeding off each other, playing really well, he said. Uh, So they're trying to get over the hump. Like you said, Joe Sway, a ton of the leadership comes on the court. I think we all see him capable of doing that and we'll uh you know see Sherrod in a minute here but the leadership the vocal piece what they said brad 
Joe, everyone across the organization, it seems. When they lost Smart, when they lost everything we talk about Smart bringing to the table, is that Tatum Brown will step up and improve and fill that gap. And I think many argue that part of the reason for trading Smart and that Smart might have gone in Porzingis deal or any other deal this offseason is that they want to force those guys to be the leaders there. So yes, we don't see how they might be filling that role. I like some of the things Jalen's done in recent years to kind of put pressure on opponents, put pressure on the team itself, try to hype guys up, try to bring some intensity on the court that leads by example. Whatever the method is for leadership, I think Jalen's taking a step in that. And vocally, I think even after games, Tatum's taking some steps there. The thing I wonder, though, and Sherrod got into it a little bit there, when they have bad losses, like the Magic games and the Pacers games last year, Pistons or whoever it might be, when you hit a losing streak, when you're down in the playoffs, you know, those moments where there's accountability, where there's things to improve, where maybe the team isn't hitting its stride the way it should be. How do they react to that? Because Mm -hmm. I know these guys are great at reacting to everything they've done well so far, and they've done a lot well so far really in their careers. But we saw it last year, and it started at the top with Joe, Joe Sway, and it was the biggest thing I didn't like about Joe last year. They lose a horrible game. Oh, we played great. You know, we did a lot of good things. Oh, what can the team improve on? I'd ask them at times. And it's like, oh, you know, we're doing we're doing a lot of good stuff. You know, not not really highlighting any of the shortcomings. And again, like we talked about with Brogdon, they got to fixing and addressing that stuff. The de- lack of defensive identity, all the different things they talked about in the playoffs. We didn't hear that all year. Right. We didn't hear that from the leaders. Right. Even Smart, as great as he was at calling them out sometimes, I think rolled along with that sometimes too. So he wasn't perfect as a leader himself. But now he's gone, and he was the most critical and willing to scrutinize others of all these guys. And I don't see that in Tatum as much. Maybe there's a little bit of that there with Brown, but he's another naturally quiet guy. That's like there's a there is some level they have to improve here. And as much as I like hearing Tatum say, you know, there's ways I do this that people don't see. I do this in my own way because I agree he can't be out there throwing chairs as we used to say with Brad. <laughs> but but right. there is there is some room for improvement here with him, especially with Brown gone, uh, with Smart gone. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just just the. Uh you know, overall approach, uh, getting guys involved. I, I think a lot of it's going to be something that we're, 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 gonna, we're not going to see. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of something maybe in the locker room, things that he does. And maybe we'll start hearing stories about it here and there. But I, I'm sure there will be a, a different to, a different approach to how he leads this year, uh, especially in the locker room and, you know, behind closed doors. And, and I think Jalen's going to be a big part of that as well. I, I think he understands the importance, you know, of that. And, and obviously in – you know, considering his contract and not that there's going to be extra pressure around Jalen, but it's just that this is the way that it should be. And, you know, the the, the trade, I don't think, had more to, to do about, you know, getting Marcus out of there so these two can lead. I mean, that that's going to happen naturally. I think it was just designed to help these guys overall. Bringing in a player like Porzingis that can spread the floor, you know, that, that that's a big, you know, he's 7'3", can defend a big, you know, a rim protector. You know, I, I think a lot of that is the biggest reason why you you bring someone in like that, That why Brad Stevens was crazy about it because he's like, man, he checks a lot of those boxes 
that that can give these guys another 20, you know, 20 point plus, you know, uh, a game score who's essentially coming off one of his better seasons of his career and could essentially be, you know, going into this next two, three seasons uh, playing along the same lines or even better uh, when you look at his stats. So I, I also do think, yeah, naturally it does force these guys to be leaders, but you know, if you're Jalen and, and and Jason, you're like, that's the biggest reason why they did that, right? Like Marcus isn't here because they, they wanted to help us even more because we didn't even more so because we didn't we didn't get it done last year, you know. So let's you know, this is the year. This is the year we get it done. This is the window that we have. I'm finishing up my contract. You're gonna be going into yours. Like this is the chance that we 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 were gonna have the probably the, the the best chance we have to to quiet the naysayers, you know, silence the doubters. And we come off on top looking like, you know, the, we, we get the last laugh. You know, I think that I think that would be essentially the, the base of their conversation. When you think about the, the relationship up to this point, like, man, they, they, they've been through a lot, you know, in terms of uh, criticism and guys, you know, the media doubting them. And after coming off of what happened last season, the pressure's on more so than ever. So. I think half it's what you mentioned there with Porzingis and what he adds to the team and addressing some of the front court needs. The guitar. Okay. But half is, I think, shaking up the room, shaking up the leadership dynamic, giving Tatum and Ryan room to lead. And they have to accept that. They have to embrace that. We say it all the time, Joe Sway, and we'll keep saying it. We What's all that? remember when Ime came in and said, we're going to have two captains. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. We've been bringing that up for years, man. Like because it's so because so, it's I'm so it's it. it's so indicative. And I know that was a long time ago, and they've made progress since then. But at that time, it was so indicative of these two guys got a lead, and they right. just both went nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like uh, I think Zan's even used this one around that time. It's like uh, when the teacher was. Just, they, they want to give up that extra credit. They want to give that leadership role. And then there's two people that they have in mind. And then the whole class is just like, come on guys. Like, it's obviously you guys. And they're like, no, <laughs> I mean, it, could be, it could be anybody. Remember the interview? Cause obviously that was the question that kept being, it was brought to Marcus. It was brought to Tatum Brown and all of them were just like, Oh, you know, it could be anybody. Uh, it could be him. It could be, I mean, that's really up for the team to decide. It's like, no, you guys are supposed to want that job, you know? Yeah. Smart, yeah. smart addressed it first. And he was like, we don't need captains, which again, right to go back to what I just said, that was a problem. And then Tatum followed his lead. Cause again, Tatum looked up to smart. The whole team looked up to smart. Right. And then Brown was like, yeah, it should be Horford. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, Horford as great as he's been, if he's going to come off the bench this year, if he's going to play less, your voice matters a little bit less. They'll still listen to him. He'll still speak up when he needs to. Brad said as much at the presser for Porzingis. But when you play less, it's almost like it's not quite the Haslam thing, but you got to play to make an impact. And right. Horford, as he gets older, his contributions on the court will come less and less a little bit each year. So you can't keep relying on him in that sense either. When it comes to voices on this team, it's Tatum, Brown, White's another quiet guy. You know, when we talked to his trainer a couple of weeks ago, he said he needs to speak up a little bit more now too going forward. You think of Rob, I think Rob has made an attempt to make his voice heard a little bit more, but another guy who I think is more keeping to himself naturally. And then Brogdon, he's coming off the bench and he looks back at last summer and says, I was almost traded. So how can Brogdon effectively lead from his position as well? It's tough. And you know what Brad said too? Because I asked him, I said, are you 
what do you expect him from Porzingis in the room? Because I do think it's interesting that he's been a guy who's been willing to butt heads with teammates a little bit. He's more of an outgoing, aggressive personality. And Brad was like, yeah, you know, sometimes when you come to a new team, you just got to try to fit in, you know, and, you know, find your place. And it's like, ah, so this really is on Tatum and Brown. Porzingis isn't saving him in that sense. Horford isn't. Uh, Brogdon. These are nice voices on the, right. on the perimeter, but everyone's looking at these guys. And part of it's your voice, as Tatum said, and he'll do that in his own way. But part of it also is how you set an example on the court, too, as you talked about. You know, right. But giving if up the ball, giving up yeah. shots, defending every possession, all that kind of stuff. I was going to say, though, if you're Porzingis, though, it's an easy sell. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. man, after everything he's been through, he's just like, now I'm in Boston. I got a chance to go to the finals. I can you know, change this whole narrative about whatever it was in the sense, right. That people questioned him when, from the beginning, when he wanted out of New York and he didn't show up for his exit interview and then things didn't work out in Dallas. And then now he has a chance to, you know, this role that's cut out for him and designed for him to pretty much get those open looks, take advantage of it and, and do it on a level that on a, on a stage that he hasn't been on, you know, for years now. So this is a great opportunity for him. But yeah, how are you going to lead though? How are you going to get everyone on the same page and make sure that they, they're able to do the night to night grind? There isn't those like sluggish stretches like we saw last year against teams that you know it just seemed like effort wise, it didn't matter who they're going up against. You had a chance to beat this team if you were just if you just stuck with it. You know what I mean? Like hopefully that's not a, another part of their identity this season, but that's really up to how Tatum and, and, and Brown lead. You know, I, I think that's a, a big part, a big emphasis going into training camp and, and beyond. Is there enough leadership here, Sherrod, with Smart gone? I think there is, uh, but it's going to require everything that these guys do well from a leadership standpoint to be stepped up and amplified. Uh, they've got to step, they've got to elevate their leadership game. Uh, Tatum has to do that. Brown has to do that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, has to do that. And, and to me, Malcolm is going to be a key guy, not so much because of what he says or necessarily what he does, but just how he carries himself. Is he going to carry that baggage from almost being traded into the season? Will he be able to process that and just basically make that a non-talking point? And the only way he can do that is to basically be himself, but better, uh, be consistent, but more consistent, uh, keep that load management to a minimum to where you're taking off games here and there. And that'd be the only games you miss. You don't actually miss games due to injury. You just miss games for the load management process. Uh, and as for Tatum and Brown, uh, Tatum, I'm, I'm not nearly as worried about his leadership as, as I am Jalen's because Tatum's leadership is, is built around, is built on the foundation of balling. I lead by example. Last I checked, the example that he says is pretty damn easy to follow. I shoot, you rebound, you get open. I might pass it to you. I may not. I'm going to defend. And at the end of the day, uh, I'm that dude. Yeah. Jalen. I might drop a 50 piece every now and then. But yeah, yeah. I might hit you with a 50 piece every now and then. Uh, I might dunk on Joel Embiid every now and then. Uh, <laughs> you just never know. Jalen is the one whose leadership I'm not sure how it's going to play out because I do think he needs to step his leadership game up, but I'm not really sure how that's going to happen. Uh, is he going to become more vocal? Is he going to let his play lead? Uh, is he going to you know work on that left hand so that people aren't talking about that left hand dribble like they've been talking about all damn summer? What's I, I, I know how. Do? What's he going to do to put his imprint from a leadership standpoint on his team? Because I what is it? I, 
I have no doubts that he has that in him. I just don't know what that looks like. And what scares me a little bit more, I'm not sure he knows what yeah. that looks like. Because it's there. It's just a matter of him finding it and putting that on on, on Front Street and making everyone see that. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. He's a wild card from a leadership standpoint in my eyes. To me, this is what it is. You distract the whole eight turnovers in game seven. Work, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Jan's going to work on his game, work on his handle because that's a big well, part of it as well. But I think the way he changes things, changes the narrative, is he becomes a defensive anchor. I think that's a part of his game that he can he can do it. I really do think he has the athleticism. He has the footwork. He can he do it. I want him to be one of those guys can. where he, he's he's the go to when it comes to defending the, the opposing team's best player. Oh no, Jalen's got that. You know what I mean? Tatum's gonna cook. He's gonna get his opportunities if he gets back out on on the fast break, which we know Jalen can do. He can get up there, you know, on the on the on the other side, but then get back on defense and be that guy that can lock can lock down. Uh, a, a top-notch score on the night on a day to night to night basis. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be part of his identity that I think you know says, okay, well that, that's the money well spent. You know, that's a part of his game that he's elevated. Also with the offense that we that we've seen from him every single year. I mean, he's continued to become a, a better player year after year throughout his career. Throughout his career, so. I love that point, Josue, and you can't end your press conference like he did at, at the extension presser. Oh, right. You got to get back to defense exactly. and, and right. have the defensive year that he did a year ago. And everybody, listen, everybody has blame for last year. For Brown, I think a lot of it came on the defensive end. Tatum, some of the shooting inconsistency, uh, maybe his voice atop this all, especially with Joe being there and trying to navigate things. Tatum, I think, reflected a lot of the talk Joe did. Joe certainly has to change in his approach, and the assistance will help in that sense. And then down the line, you know, everybody else just has to improve individually here. You can't look back on last year, and this is my worry going into this year, is for all the panic and turmoil and wick running in the locker room and all the, I don't want to say dysfunction, but just craziness of that 03 hole. It's a little crazy. To look back and say, yeah, you know, we had a good year. I don't want to hear that in camp. Like, I want to hear, we didn't meet expectations last year. We got to be better. And we got to be locked in and focused on both ends of the court this year, especially that defensive point that they let go for a lot of last year. There's another leader potentially going out the door here. And I wonder what that kind of impact that'll have. Blake, you might be gone, Sherrod. The Globe reported a couple of weeks ago yeah, that... They're not expecting him back. They like him back, which you know I reported first about a month and a half ago. But for family reasons, uh, even just where his career's at at this point, what he's got left in the tank, you might not see Griffin in Boston this year, and maybe not even on any NBA court this year. I think he's probably mulling his future. And he did this, if you remember, Sherrod, into October last year. He didn't sign with the Celtics until into camp. Uh, so he could be back, but it seems unlikely at this point. And this, again, not just smart, but Grant, another big voice in that room. Blake, more so at the end of the bench, but you think of what he did for all those end-of-the-bench guys that weren't playing a ton. Hauser going through that massive slump. Pritchard, especially, who wanted off the team and uh, was just really distraught with how uh, little he was playing last year and where his role seemed to be going. You could tell Blake helped all those guys through that. And I love those nights where he gave Horford a rest and went in and played really well. Was blown away with his impact last year compared to what I expected. And now I think he's a real loss for these guys. 
Yeah, and and he's at that point where you got to seriously thinking about just you know mailing it in and calling it a career. And he's had a hell of a career: six time All Star, five time All NBA, I think three times second team, a couple times third team, Rookie of the Year. Uh, to me, you know, a Hall of Famer. It's not a matter of when, not a matter of if he gets into the Hall of Fame, but when. Will he be a first ballot one? Not sure about that, but he's definitely going in with the body of work that he put together, primarily with the Clippers. As far as the Celtics are concerned, you'd love to have a guy like that because I do think that, you know, his ability to keep keep the peace uh, when things get a little bit sketchy inside that locker room after some games and and after some tough practices and and having the wisdom and willing to basically offer up that wisdom to a lot of these young guys, you're going to miss that. But Blake has earned the right to determine and dictate where he goes next, even if that destination is, you know, home and call it a, call it a career. He's been that impactful. Uh, and so if I'm the Celtics, you'd love to have him back. But if you're the Celtics, one thing that you got to keep in mind um, just because you don't begin the season with Blake Griffin doesn't mean you won't have him at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Blake is not likely to return at the start of the season. But if certain things play out a certain way and Blake – The door is open. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not going to say, Blake, you know, we're done. Bye-bye. No, it's going to like, you know, if certain things break a certain way, you may be back here or if you want to, if you want to. And that's ultimately what this is going to be about. Does Blake want to return? Because I do think if Blake decides to not sign with anyone uh, before training camp, I think that's a great thing for the Celtics because that means that he's probably going to be looking at the landscape and looking for an opportunity to join a contender because Blake ain't coming back to play for no team that's going to win 35 games. That That's not happening. Yeah, uh, and you but, know he doesn't want to play through the whole regular season at this point, too. And I don't blame him. <laughs> like, does Let's he want to be playing in November? I don't know. Well, this is the thing, Bobby. The, the way, like, just the way you just described his season after everything that, that happened, he, he did his job, he excelled, he even exceeded expectations for, you know, and, and for, for most people or some people, he still didn't get an opportunity in the playoffs. He still didn't get a chance you know, to even when things were down, when they were down 3-0, and it wasn't even close. You know, so if you're Blake, you're like, do I really want to do the whole 82-game season again? And I'm not even going to get a chance. You know, after even if I – even if I'm better than I was last year, I still – I'm still not sure Jones is going to play me. So maybe he's not – maybe he's done in Boston. But like you said, Sherrod, midseason, if another team calls, it really wouldn't shock me if he continues his career midseason and, and goes elsewhere. I mean, maybe it is a something. If they do call, you know, maybe that's an opportunity as well. But, I mean, if not, it's a heck of a career. It's not a disappointment, you know, for, for Blake Griffin. And maybe yeah. the Hall of Fame. But um, it, it really wouldn't shock me if, if we heard, though, that he, he signs to a team, you know, midseason and he decides to come back. Because we'll I wouldn't be surprised if, if he signs somewhere around his birthday in March uh, when he'll turn 35. Uh, or sometime shortly before that, just to give him a little bit of time to acclimate himself to whatever team. Even if he comes back to Boston, he's still going to have to acclimate himself to a new team. It always works out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love the fact that, again, this is a guy that you had a shot to play with him. You made an impression. And if he's going to sit out and not play right away and mold different opportunities, you're going to be one of the opportunities that he's going to give some thought to. And that's all you can do if you're the Celtics when you're dealing with a guy who will have, I think, quite a few options. Is You hope that you're one that he's considering. And if Blake decides to not begin the season with a team, uh, which to me, I mean, if we're keeping 100, I, that's what I would do. 
I would absolutely, especially if you've made the kind of money that he's made and you've had the kind of career. It's not like you out here clipping coupons thinking like, oh, man, I need to get a job because I, I can't afford to live the way I'm living. Blake's good. He's really good money-wise. So it's not even about that for him. It's about having a chance to compete for a championship and having a role. I don't think Blake is looking to go somewhere and play 25, 30 minutes. He knows that that dude ain't, ain't coming through the door. Uh, you're getting – 34, 35-year-old Blake Griffin, and that guy can play every now and then, and he can probably, if you're talking about, you know, the, the second half of the season, he can probably get on the floor and help you win two or three games, but those two or three games might be the difference between you being the number one seed versus the number four. Mm -hmm. uh, and, must, and so if I'm Blake, which, you know, I, I think it's just a smart play, sit your ass out and see how things play out and then decide where you want to play and yeah. make sure that you go somewhere that has a role that you are comfortable with. Not that you're going to absolutely blow out the waters, but that you're comfortable with playing. Yeah, and now that I think back to it, the reason he ended up on the Celtics in the first place is that Rob was down, Cornette had just gotten hurt in camp, uh, no Mescal at that point either. So Celtics were looking pretty thin inside. Horford was another year older, and you went in the last season actually thinking – Blake might play a significant role. They had Noah Vonley in the mix there too at that point. So it's less of that this year with Porzingis in the fold and Rob healthy this time. There's no real minutes for Blake here either. So I wonder if that's a factor as well because he accepted, again, much like Brogdon, he accepted that role last year, but Blake Griffin doesn't want to be sitting on the bench all year long and into the playoffs. And I know that pissed Joe Sway off too, that they didn't even try to use him in the playoffs. Sure so, if he can find another winning situation where he's actually needed, maybe that intrigues him more. Again, he was on that podcast with, uh, you know, golfing or whatever he was doing there, talking about how great it was to play in Boston, how awesome it was here, and the fans and all that. So he enjoyed it. But uh, I think it's just about weighing his different situations right now. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Sherrod, that rest rule came out this week. Uh, the NBA approved it, that you're not going to be able to rest two stars. Is that going to work? Here, it's well, not going it, to help the load it, management issue. It, I don't think it's going to impact it one way or the other because Tatum doesn't like the rest, so mm -hmm. he's yeah. going to play as many games as he can. Jalen Brown, similar, he likes to play. So, and yeah. they they never really looked to rest those guys in, under the load management. It was more applicable to Al Horford, Rob Williams, uh, you know, um, our good friend Malcolm Brogdon off the bench, and I think that's probably what it's going to stay like uh there may be situations if one if tatum or brown is having some type of soreness uh and they're in a stretch where they're playing maybe four games or six nights or something like that you might give him a night off there uh and then you can use whatever ailment that he's dealing with to justify him not playing uh and and again because of those two players and how consistently they have been wanting to play every game or in certainly most games it's a little bit different when the Celtics are saying we're going to sit Jalen Brown for this game against the Clippers versus the Clippers deciding to sit, uh, you know, our good friend Paul George or mm. you know the other guy who is the face of load management, Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> the pioneer. Yeah, exactly. This I mean, rule wasn't made for the what? Celtics. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is a great player. He may very well go in the Hall of Fame for being like the poster child for load management. <laughs> Seriously. That might, that might be the, his lasting legacy other than winning a couple well, of championships. Well, no, the, that's what solidified it, though, Sherrod. Winning that championship is like, oh, no, this could be done. There's a, there's a exactly. formula for this Everyone's thing, like, but... damn, you mean I can watch my best player like pretty much most of the season? And we still <laughs> he's, the, he's the pioneer. Yeah, they should, name, they should name something after him. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Listen, you know what? This is what you do. This is what you do. 
the Kawhi Leonard Award goes to the player who doesn't qualify for regular season awards, but is still a significant contributor to his team. <laughs> Even though he played like 40, 40 games that season. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Guys who played between 20 and 40 games get the Kawhi Leonard Award. <laughs> I will say, right. <laughs> regardless, you know, players' fault, teams' fault, I'm so glad they're trying to address it because yeah. they had yeah, to. No. So, you know what that's about, Bobby? It's about the fans. I it's mean, about right. the fans. You can't pay a hundred bucks and not watch the guys you want to go see. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, with all due respect, I'm not going to play pay major money to see the Celtics play, and only to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum doing the same thing I'm doing. Watching you want at least Celtics one, play. and that's the thing they're saying: you right. can rest one, but you can't rest two or more. Right. Well, Tatum's going to be playing in Charlotte on Monday, so there you go. <laughs> you know, you know hey, that might like be it. my favorite game. Well, one of my favorite games of the season because. And Tatum, They're gonna he, boo him, <laughs> and you know what? And he's gonna drop forty on him. Yeah, he will. He's gonna drop forty on him, and, and they're gonna lose. It's like a and, then gonna lie. and then we can say this is why Tatum don't want to come to Charlotte. There's <laughs> one more <laughs> thing I want to hear from these guys on first. So a quick shout out to AG One. Love AG One. Been using it for well over a year now. It's 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics, and more in your water each morning. A nice tropical flavor. The cool gear. Sherrod's holding it there. Love the crew neck. Love the green container you store it in. Nice glasses, nice thermoses to take Don't it forget on the about go. the frother. They've got actually AG1 <laughs> frother so that you can make it nice and smooth. Going it's down. awesome. And you'll get a lot of that if you subscribe to it here. But at the very least, if you go drink AG1.com slash garden, you're going to get a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. But uh, see if it's for you. Check out a subscription. You'll get cool gear like that. And check out the reviews. They're all amazing. It's drinkag1.com slash garden. So shout out to them as well. Uh, we're about to wrap here. We'll be back next week, hopefully with more news. Because, man, it's gone <laughs> slow in the September here. But Giannis, I'm surprised this didn't get a little more buzz last week. Talking yeah. to the New York Times, uh, saying that winning's his priority and, and not necessarily in Milwaukee. He's going to play wherever he has the best chance to win. And he loves the Bucks and... He's been there 10 years and they've accomplished a lot, but I think he, I think he wants to go through the brick walls, Sherrod. What happened? I, I guess that was just for the first championship. Remember he said that? He said, Oh, people like to go around and enjoy super teams. I like to go through it. And then he won a championship. And then now I don't know. Go ahead. So sounding the alarm a little bit here. Well, this is what happened. He went through that brick wall in Milwaukee and realized, wait a minute, that hurt. <laughs> I didn't go through so. a brick wall to get to the other side. Why did I do that? Let me just figure out. A, and, and so I, I think it's great. This is the thing I like about Giannis. I, I think Giannis is being authentically Giannis and just being open to what matters to him. He, as much as he cares about that Milwaukee community, and he's been a, he's been a pillar of, of strength for them, and is really connected with them. He cares more about winning. And if he senses that Milwaukee isn't committing themselves to winning to the level that he wants to be at, he's going to bounce. Now, here's yeah. the problem with that whole premise. He so, asked for this roster, Sherrod. Well, go ahead. This is a team that he wanted. This is the team that he went to bat for and said, these are my guys. This exactly. is what I want to rock with. Exactly. And the problem that he is under, he's starting to see now is that father time catches up with everyone except He's a little bit faster than Father Time right now. But the guys on his team, Father Time is tapping every damn one of them on his shoulder like, bro. <laughs> like, what's good? What's going on? Father right. Time is looking at his clock like as, as if he's Dame Lillard. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Chris is like, chill, chill. He's like, exactly. 
Exactly. Middleton is like, come on, man. I was a second round pick, and now you want to come at me? Come on. I'm a three now. I used to be the I used to be the two. I'm a three now. Drew got the. I'm trying to push this up, and Giannis is looking around like, gosh, Father Time's checking you. Father Time's checking you. Yeah. I don't know how good we're, and that's the thing. The one thing Giannis is not going to say, but the fact that he's open to possibly going elsewhere says it all. I don't think we're as good as we used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're championship medal anymore. I mean, they we lost got, in the first round. Yeah, we got a lot of guys on our team. Well, we got we still have guys who won championships, but I don't know if we're that team anymore. Because uh, I'm looking at Boston. Damn, Tatum and Brown. I'm looking at you know Philadelphia, and I'm looking at Miami, and I'm looking at all these other teams that are either in position to win a chip or they're lining themselves up to go get that one guy that will put them in title contention. And he's looking around and like, yeah, I do like Chris Middleton. He might do, but uh, that Jalen Brown, Brown looks like a mighty attractive number two. I mean, who was their big offseason addition? Say it again, Josue. No, I said things done changed, like Biggie would say. <laughs> He's looking around like things done changed. But no, what'd you, what'd you say, Bobby? I think the, their big offseason addition was what, Malik Beasley? Yeah, oh, yeah. much. Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the thing, though. Like, that, that's the root of the problem, in my opinion, right? Look at the look across the Eastern Conference. I mean, you just named them, Shira. I mean, and the Miami Heat, they didn't go out and making these splashy additions, right? No, they're, they're setting just, themselves like, up for the one fish they want. They know what they want. But if you're if 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 you're um if you're Giannis, you gotta look at that. I feel like he's using this head coaching thing as sort of like the scapegoat being like, well, wait a minute, I didn't sign off on this. You guys got rid of my guy. I I don't know, I don't know if I trust this guy. It's like, is that really what it is, Giannis? Or is it more about looking at the rest of your team and you're looking at the Eastern Conference and you're like, Man, Boston just got Porzingis now. It's like, okay, I got another guy that I have to deal with in the front court and back in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's just one example, right? And, and I just feel like he's thinking these guys have to do something like that, whether it's a splashy trade or whether it's bringing in someone else or just finding a way to give him another piece to work with. And I feel like he's he's afraid to say that. He doesn't want to say that because it will go against what he's asked for, in my opinion, which is oh, he, keeping these guys around. He likes like the championship part. team, Sherrod, and he also thought that they were going to win at least or at least get back to the finals right. at least a couple times these, these past couple of years. And obviously that wasn't the case. Well, not only is he concerned with what he's seeing, he's also concerned with what he's hearing. Because there was a story in Sports Illustrated recently where the new coach, Agent Griffin, was talking about building this thing up brick by brick. Now, mm. as a player, you may mean just building on what we started before, but a player is thinking, you talk, that sounds like rebuilding. Yeah, you mentioned that in the article. Brick by yeah. brick, that sounds like rebuilding. And look, mm-hmm. I'm a champion. I'm a two-time MVP. I got a chip. I ain't trying to rebuild. Mm-hmm. I'm like Doc Rivers near the end in Boston. I don't want to rebuild. Right. I've done that before. That's why Doc left. That's exactly and so, right. You know what this makes me think, and he's extension eligible this fall. Uh, I think he's got another year after this one, so he'd be a free agent uh, two summers from now. Say it, Bobby. If, Come if on. He, I know if, what you're thinking. Say it, it. It doesn't matter as much to the Celtics. In fact, it'd be a great thing for the Celtics to see him out of the East. A TD? I think the top of the Make list. Man, you're talking about a TD? I think the top of the list, if he ended up demanding a trade. Oh, the trade demand, a TD. If he, if he demanded oh, a trade, oh. I think it'd be the Thunder. I think they just have so many picks, so many young players. I don't know. They got know. that guy in Shea. No, no, no. You're, 
you're, you're thinking about what's best for Milwaukee. I feel like though, if you're Giannis, though, you don't see him thinking like Miami or someone like that. Like, yeah, but it's it's I the same thing as with the Lillard thing, where these teams have to offer. Yeah, but you're thinking about that if you're Giannis, man. You you want to go where you want to go. Like, right. if, if you're if you're go, if you're willing to go down that, are we road. gonna end up in a Lillard thing every time now, where it's like you gotta send me where I want to go? <laughs> I know, I know, and that's another thing too. Because if that if that happens, then the Giannis thing is almost inevitable. You know, you don't you don't feel like that. I think I think Giannis because he's already won a championship and he's clearly wanting to win another. You're gonna you're gonna tell them send you to a team that even after they trade for me, there's going to be enough pieces around there to win a championship. And I think you're right. Oklahoma City, they can basically open up the vault of all them damn draft picks, and they've got young talent that they can throw in the mix too. And when all the dust is settled, they can still have you one have of the Chet, top You five. have Shea, Giannis, yeah. Giddy even. I mean, you they got a roster yeah. full of young top-tier talent that, again, they're going to have – at some point – Oklahoma City is going to have to clean house yeah. uh, because there's no way that you can pay all those guys with their market values worth and things like that. And if you're if you're Oklahoma City, then you absolutely would package some of those guys plus a, a, however many picks you want to put in the mix to get a guy like that. And if you're Giannis, if you're serious about winning a championship and you got a chance to play with like you know Gilchrist Alexander, is, is that your point guard? Oh my god, Damn. a dude who you a dude who you know can give you 30 every night with the right talent around him. And you've got, you've got one or two of those bigs. Uh, and if, if by some way they're able to keep Dork, who I think is a, a really good defender. Uh, right, on. Someone's got to go on the other side. Sharad. Yeah. It's a lot of pieces. They got, but that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about their roster. They got enough pieces where they can literally unload like damn near two or three starters and add him and be like two or three times better. I'm excited about them this year. I really am. Uh, That's our show for today. I'm glad we made it through the whole show without talking about the stupid world champion thing, which they're still talking about. Oh, great, Bobby. Shout out to Dennis Schroeder. Today's his birthday. Yeah. Oh, shout out to him, then. No one's more excited. The big 3-0. No one's more excited than John Zanis, who was his biggest fan here in Boston. He balled out. He balled out. I he was it. awesome. I love that tournament. And now I'm extra bored because there is nothing on. NFL, I guess. I'm not as big of a football fan, but it's time, man. Training camp, please. October 2nd. Come. Coming. <laughs> Should be a good one. We man. need it. Uh, more and more guys getting back to Boston. Again, most of the young guys are back. Most of the new guys are there. I'm sure more will arrive next week. Porzingis, we'll wait and see how he's doing with the foot. Uh, Brogdon's arm, we'll see how that's doing once he gets there. But for now, uh, thanks for joining us again this week. We had an interview with Mike Mascala yesterday. If you missed it, go check that out as well. SteelNSMedia.com. Sherrod, you got anything new out there? No, just trying to deal with these knucklehead kids like Joe Sway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You do. Must be a lot of underdogs in there. Come on, give him a chance. All right? A bunch of Joe Sways in there, so you know I, I got my hands full. Obviously. <laughs> Red Sox moved on from their GM. I was thrilled about that. We'll see how quickly they can turn around. Patriots playing Sunday. Check out Patriots Press Pass uh, for all the coverage. Taylor doing a great job through week one there. Love his work. Uh, getting started on the beat this year. And uh, Bruins, I think, are starting camp as well, so check out our Bruins channel as well. Joe Sway Pavone, A. Shred Blakely. Thanks guys for joining me here. Uh, We'll see you 
soon enough. Hopefully, See John, Jimmy back next week as well. So subscribe, CLNS Media, Celtics All Access. Joe Sway and I might be scoring an interview this weekend too, so stay tuned for that. Well, I was going to um, say, are we going to tease it or not? All right, yeah. No, we'll see. We'll see if it comes you know, together. In the meantime, you know, Touching Maxwell Podcast or, you know, brand new episode. Check us out. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. How's we'll, Max doing? He's we'll enjoying the offseason? He ready to get back to work? Oh man, he's he's enjoying himself that down in Charlotte. Man. In <laughs> he doesn't want he doesn't want training camp. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he, loves, he loves the uh, he loves doing the episodes because he's just you know it's just it's perfect for him. You know it's a perfect uh, perfect balance. But yeah, he's he's itching for the season though, just like you, Bobby. In a sense, I think he's like 50-50 at this point though. I'm uh, <laughs> I've been watching the winning time. Obviously, season one was eighty. Yeah, this is a, it's a great show, man. We're about I gotta, to get I to eighty-one episodes behind, but I got to catch up. But yeah, man, I, this season's been crazy. 1981's coming up for me. That's Max's year. That's what I'm telling Max. I'm like, it's coming up this year, man. This season. <laughs>